There's no baseball game on today. How weird is that? It's the first time in a long time we've seen, uh, well, I guess there was one of the rounds. There was a break in between. But I digress. We have to wait till the weekend to have some new baseball games being played. But that doesn't mean there's not enough time to talk about baseball, the upcoming World Series matchup. I'm bringing up with my buddy right over there, Miller Thomas. This is the Lockdown MLB, Lockdown Diamondbacks crossover. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the Lockdown MLB, Lockdown Diamondbacks crossover. This is the podcast we talk about baseball all season long. There is no off year. Once a week, we get together with this guy right over here from Lockdown Diamondbacks to go along with me from Lockdown MLB to have a little chat about the state of the game. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been doing baseball podcasts for a decade now and this is now i believe episode original episode that i've hosted number 2851 in the last 10 years you do the math that's that's uh, a lot and i've been part of the lockdown podcast network for the last four seasons and you can follow me at lockdown and Milby pods for this show for twitter and instagram there's my lower third call me sully I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And right over there, this Baja Kaloop is the host of Locked on Diamondbacks. Tell them about you. Yeah, I'm, you know, host of Locked on Diamondbacks, journalist, graphic designer. You can check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. Follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account on Twitter. got to, of course, follow the show account, too, Locked on Diamondbacks. Twitter, Instagram, on all your podcasting platforms, and Hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Locked On Diamondbacks there. Don't forget to hit it on Locked On MLB as well to check out Sully Baseball. That's right. And uh, also, by the way, uh, if you want to listen to, because yesterday, this show is being dropped on the 25th day of October 2022. Yesterday was the 10th anniversary of the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, which I did every single day from October 24th, uh, 2012 until April 2nd, 2017. So that was all those days, new podcast every single day, you know, for 365 a year. And those are archived if you want to subscribe to those and listen to some of those. Some of them were topical and may not have survived that well, but some of them were evergreen. And we had some nice interviews with some players and comedians, authors, and I had some other thoughts. And you could actually hear an episode where I was recovering in the hospital after a procedure regarding a kidney thing, and I did part of it while on intense pain medication. Uh, I did some from baseball stadiums from from New York. I did a bunch in Oakland. I did a bunch in London, including me in front of Buckingham Palace talking about the Arizona Diamondbacks. So wow. there's a lot of things. If you want to go on wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's you know Apple Music or Google Play or wherever it is, you can go listen to that archive of, oh, it's about – I think it's like 1,700 episodes or something like that, uh, both from The Daily Show and then it later became a weekly show. Just look that up at Sully Baseball. There's a lot of fun episodes on there. And if you like what I did at uh, Lockdown MLB, you can hear sort of the evolution of that. And I swear a little bit on it too because it was uh, – Well, 
I, I, we weren't being we weren't trying to sell built bars, so you know I didn't care necessarily what people thought. Um, but yeah, it was it had a lot of fun during those times. Okay, hey, um, the funny thing is, is that the more things change, the more things remain the same. In that episode I dropped yesterday, where I played the very first Sully Baseball podcast from October twenty fourth, twenty twelve, it was on the verge of the World Series. It was on the eve of the World Series. It had been, uh, it was a, a back and forth postseason where a sub 90 win team was in the post, was in the World Series, and the Yankees had just been swept in the ALCS. The more things change, the more things stay the same. And uh, the Yankees got swept in the ALCS. The Phillies somehow won the pennant for the first time since Ryan Howard collapsed in the heap at the end of the 2011 um, uh, division series. And we have ourselves a Phillies Yankees, uh, Jesus, a Phillies <laughs> Astros world. Series. Not Sorry, in my head, yeah. yeah. A Phillies Astros world series. Hey, Miller, uh, tell me your thoughts on how the ALCS and the NLCS unfolded. Yeah. A quick question though, for you, Sully. So your first baseball podcast started October 24th. Yeah. The one that lasted for, that I did every single day. I I had dabbled in podcasts before that, but that was when it was really my show. I was the host. It was my feed, and I did it for years and years and years. What a coincidence! Because October twenty fourth is also my birthday, Sully. So it's like we've been what? intertwined. It's it's like we've been intertwined our whole like baseball life, Sully. Isn't that crazy? Wow! What yeah. I no you had folks. This is this is one hundred percent honest. I had no idea. How, well, happy Miller Day. Yeah, thank you. That's how much he knows about me, guys. That's how much our co-host knows about me. It's okay. He didn't give me no gifts, but he said happy birthday on the pod. That's all that matters. But to the National League and the American League series, I mean, I've been waiting to rip the Yankees for the longest time, Sully, because I haven't had a chance. I was celebrating my birthday this week, and I was actually in Los Angeles, so maybe we should have done this show in person. I don't know how far you live from LA, to be honest, Sully. I know you well, live out there. My town I live on borders on Los Angeles, so <laughs> okay. uh, I could be in Los Angeles by the time we're uh, <laughs> before we have to sell some built bars. Okay. Well, I'm back at home now in Arizona, so yeah. we, missed, we missed the opportunity in the mark there. But I've been waiting to rip the Yankees because what the Yankees did against the Houston Astros is honestly just flat-out embarrassing to get swept by Houston. And it's not just the fact that they got swept. It's how they got swept. It's the, the little details in the sweeping. It's the complaining about the roof situation. It's getting Big Poppy to FaceTime you when you're down 0-3 and looking at 2004 Red Sox highlights. It's not being able to pick a shortstop throughout the series. It's what you did in game one with your bullpen. It's the whole shebang. It's overrating the amount of talent you have. It's not having the mental fortitude the Houston Astros have. There's so many things that went wrong for the, for the New York Yankees in this series against the Houston Astros. And it's like, we all know that the Astros were probably the better team in the series they had the better record than the yankees but this yankees team did have the best run differential in the american league this was a serious squad a serious contender we really thought they had a chance going into this series against the astros even if we all liked the astros better we couldn't foresee a sweep we thought this would still be at least a competitive series and 
once again, the Astros completely dominate the Yankees. And we got no excuses to talk about when it comes to cheating or anything like that because most of those players aren't even on this Astros team anymore. We still got Altuve, still got Bregman, but a lot of the best players now are the Kyle Tuckers, the Jordan Alvarez's, the, the other guys that weren't the core pieces back then. So there's no more excuses anymore. And when you look at this Yankees team now, I'm like, where do you go from here? Because I'm calling for the heads of Aaron Boone and most importantly, Brian Cashman, because I believe it starts at the top. When you look at this Yankees roster, I thought they had a couple of, you know, they have some talent. They got some studs with the stands and the Giancarlo stands of the world with the judges and the stands of the world. But those ancillary pieces like the Houston Astros have with the Chase McCormicks and all these other players, the, the Yuli Gurriels, the Jeremy Peñas of the world, the Astros are able to have young homegrown talent come through their system every year. They're able to player develop guys and the Yankees are missing the mark on all of that. When it comes to homegrown talent, when it comes to player development, scouting, pick the picking out the right guys and free agency and the undervalued guys that you can bring into your organization and build up and turn into a contributor to your roster. Like the Yankees aren't doing the little things. They're going out there. They're trying to spend money where they can on the big time free agents. But I look at this team and it's just not deep enough. They don't have the mental fortitude. Every time the Astros were up in the game or they were down, I always felt like they were going to come back or always felt like they were going to shut the door. The Astros have that killer mentality, and the Yankees do not. When I look at the Astros, I see leaders all over that team. And when I look at the Yankees, when they were down 0-3, who am I supposed to rally behind? Judge is an all-time great player. He's a Hall of Famer, but is he that vocal leader? I think he leads by example with his bat, but is he that vocal guy that could lead this Yankees team? I look at that Astros lineup up and down. I see leaders all over that, but I don't know if I feel the same way about this Yankees team. So there's so many question marks for this Yankees team heading into the offseason. I think it's disgusting that they got swept by the Houston Astros. So we can start there if you want and then move to the National League Series, unless you want me to keep going, Sully. No, 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 no. They'll have it all out. Uh, you, you hit so many points there. Yeah, there's um, a lot. The, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, there was no excuses this time. I'm trying you trying to bring up like, well, the roof was open or something like that. Complaining about that, yeah. you know, it's like maybe they didn't have to cheat in 17 or 19. Uh, you know, you can't say anything about this team, and they manhandled them. Yes, mm -hmm. the Yankees showed up and played hard in Game Four, but they also were sloppy. You know, the ball drop that that Harrison Bader and Aaron Judge both going for the ball. The ball drops, and the next and they not only they made mistakes that were sloppy, but the Astros capitalized on them. So Bader drops that fly ball, and the next batter hits a home run, or Kiner Falefa is going too fast across the bag, and what could have been a double play, the ball gets past him. The next two the you know, those two runners come around to score. It wasn't just that the Yankees did some things that were sloppy. It's that the Astros capitalized on them. The Astros made some mistakes too, but they let them get away with it. You never remember some of the mistakes a team makes if they get out of, you know, if they wiggle out of, out of trouble. And, you know, there was, there's also, I mean, I could do a whole week of shows of the reasons why, I've been saying for probably most of the time I've been podcasting that the Yankees have to move on from Brian Cashman. And Brian Cashman, again, talented baseball man and everything like that, but he's been there since 1998. <laughs> At some point, you have to turn the page. Think about all the things that were different in 1998 <sighs> in baseball and baseball thinking. People were valuing RBI. You know, this was before the money ball 
revolution began. It was before any real analytics came about. And look at, I'm not a slave to analytics, but I'm also not one of these people who's going to scream, well, this just shows you the analytics don't work. Analytics is just information. That's all it is. It's information. And everyone has used it. Branch Rickey used information. Casey Stengel used information. And you have analytic departments who give the manager information and the manager uses that for his advantage. Now, the Astros are one of the most heavily analytic-driven teams in baseball. So anyone pointing to, well, look, this analytics don't work. Really? The team that beat them uses them like crazy. It's what analysis you do. It's not Analytics is not like feng shui. It's not like something that has a definite answer to it. It's the people analyzing information and coming up with conclusions and coming up with data. Maybe, just maybe, other teams are doing it better than the Yankees. But the fact of the matter is that all, you know, the Cashman, Brian Cashman seems to have had this force field around him uh, where it's never his fault. It's the scouting department's fault, it's the analytics department, Boone's fault. But he's the head of this. And remember, Cashman was going to leave this organization in the mid-2000s if he didn't get full control. And so you have to really look at Cashman's tenure, not with the championships that he inherited the core. Yes, he was part of the team that developed it, but it's really been his team since around 2006 when he wrestled control away from the Randy Levines and everyone. And you have to take a look at who are the stars that he's developed since then. Judge? Fine, I'll give you Judge. You want to say... Robinson Cano, okay. okay. Was it Luis Severino? Okay. Is that it? Seriously, in, in, a de- in, a, in a decade and a half, who are the stars that have been built up through there? What have been all the great trades? There have been a couple of good trades, but what have been the groundbreaking trades since two thousand six? Yeah, the the the. A kind of Falefa Donaldson deal. And then, you know, you've had in that period of time, they've won one World Series, been to the World Series once, okay, in an, in a sample size, which is now, you know, since 2004, since the great collapse of 04, they've been to the World Series once, okay, we're approaching the 20th anniversary of that, of one World Series appearance in 20% of a century. And you also look at the fact you were saying they're focusing on too many big name free agents. I say, wait a minute, they didn't go after Bryce Harper, they didn't go after Manny Machado. What do they need? They need a big, huge bat in their lineup and they need a solid shortstop. I wonder how those two would have been. They didn't trade for Cliff Lee, they didn't make the moves when you saw huge aces like Cliff Lee, like Roy Halladay moving places, like David Price when he was bouncing around moving from team to team. They didn't make the move for Chris Sale when they when he was available. And so a lot of times you see other teams making the moves that they didn't. They didn't go after Juan Soto. And yeah, their offense was a huge problem. And this is a poorly constructed team. And how do you know it's a poorly constructed team? The leadoff hitter was different every day. The starting shortstop was different every day. The lineup was different every day. The, the bullpen closer was different every day. You looked at the Astros, and the Astros took one look around and said, hey, this is our team. Altuve may be struggling. We're going to keep him in there. 
We're going to keep put this team. People knew their roles. And this is a bit of a whack-a-mole that's going on here. And this is not a small sample size. And if you're a Yankee hater, the greatest news you could ever hear is confidence in Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone. And I think that if Boone gets fired and is a sacrificial lamb, and since the Yankees won their first World Series in 1923, the only manager since that time, the only manager to manage the Yankees for five years without going to the pen, not winning a pennant, is Aaron Boone. He's the only one ever to get, reach five years and no World Series appearance and still have his job. But even if they hire, even if they fire him and they bring in, uh, I always like one of Bruce Bochy's lieutenants, both Hensley Mule and Roberto Kelly are former Yankees. If they bring in Charlie Montoyo, if they bring in uh, whomever they bring in, they or if they resurrect Casey Stengel, it won't matter because Cashman's still the person in charge of the team. Yeah, I think they're tethered at the hip. I don't think you could fire one without firing the other because Aaron Boone is just basically the relay messenger for Brian Cashman and his front office boys because he's just doing what they say, like the commitment to Josh Donaldson, the I don't know who to go with at shortstop every night, the weird deployment of the bullpen. I think all that comes from the higher-ups for the most part. I don't know how much Aaron Boone actually gets to make his own decisions when it comes to this team. So I feel like just getting rid of Aaron Boone is never going to solve the problem. And I don't even think Brian Cashman's a bad GM, but he's like you said, he's just been there way too long. I think he just run his course. I think if he goes somewhere else, he can again, once again, rebuild a, a very good team and build another World Series contender. But We've seen the results for too long now in New York, and they just don't work. When's the last time you've looked at a Yankees rotation and they look stacked after that number one starter? They've had the Garrett Coles in that rotation for a long time, but when's the last time you looked at the Yankees rotation like we just looked at the Mets rotation or the Dodgers this uh, rotation this past year where you were like, man, they have three to four really good rotation members. When's the last time you looked at a Yankees lineup like how you used to back in the early 2010s where they were going seven, eight men deep? Right now, after you get past like the Stantons, the Judge, and the Rizzos of the world, you're like, there's just not a lot of options in this lineup. And when you look at what the Astros did, like Altuve and Jordan Alvarez, they came through in the biggest moments, but they didn't really have great series offensively. Like I talked about before, Jeremy Pena, the rookie, ALCS MVP, Chase McCormick. No one even knows who that is. Over a thousand OPS and two home runs in this ALCS. Yuli Gurriel, over 300 average and 900 OPS in this series. Like Judge and Stan didn't have big series, and because of it, their offense did absolutely nothing. Tons of strikeouts, not a lot of bases. And for the Astros team, their two best players, their two to three best players, cannot even be in the game. You could take them out. You could take Altuve, Yordero, Alvarez out of their lineup, and they can still put runs on the board, still play clean baseball, still get contact, still put runners in scoring position, and still manufacture runs. The Yankees seem like they can't do that without the use of the long ball, which it feels like the Yankees – all their home runs come in Yankee Stadium. Like, it feels like Yankees, uh, these Yankee players can't hit home runs unless it's short little fly balls to the right field. So maybe we got to change this whole roster construction and change our perspective on how this – how good a Yankees offense is in the regular season, because I'm starting to really think, I mean, we already know how much that Yankee stadium could inflate it, but it really feels like a lot of their disparity between the regular season and their postseason could be due to the fact that they're not playing all their games at home, um, like how they get to in the regular season. Well, and also take this, for example, the Houston Astros, you got to give them all the credit in the world. I know there's tons of Astros haters, and I know a lot of Astros Twitter's, hates me because I dare bring up the fact that they're going to be the villains in many people's eyes in this postseason. You cannot take anything away from this team this year. 
You can't. Hmm. This team has played under a tremendous amount of scrutiny, and if they veered anywhere away from they would have been people would have jumped all over them. And you know what? The way that they beat up the Yankees, like, oh, maybe they didn't have to use all those other things before. And also keep in mind, this team didn't waver, didn't falter. They won. Uh, what was what was the final? They won was a hundred and what was the final win? I think they won one hundred and six. Yeah, well, whatever it was, they did so where they're currently on their longest winning streak. They didn't have a longer winning streak than six games during the year, so it wasn't like they had a stretch where they just ran the table and and then sort of ran for cover. This has been a remarkably consistent team that has had some injuries, that has had has lost some of their players. They really could have used Michael Brantley a little bit. But one thing they do have is they have as deep a pitching staff Mm -hmm. as you could possibly imagine. They went against the Yankees, the big slugging Yankees, or supposedly, and held them to a whopping six earned runs over four games. Six earned runs in four games. And remember, five of those came in game four. Okay? Or maybe one of them. But they scored five. You know, the majority of those runs were scored in game four. And when you take a look at the the division series against Seattle, they had a a fine, uh, you know, a 2.25 ERA in the three-game sweep. But of of that, um, six... Of the the nine total earned runs by the uh, that the Astros let up were by Verlander when he had his clunky start in Game One. The rest of the staff, obviously, they threw an eighteen inning shutout at on the road in uh, Seattle. They went on the road. They shut out in over eighteen in Seattle. They went on the road to the Yankees and shut them out in Game. Three in a game which the Yankees desperately needed to have, and they had their ace on the mound. Everything that Dusty Baker is doing with this team is working, and it's about damn time Dusty Baker gets some credit for being a smart baseball man. So many times he's had the reputation of being, oh, he's a player's manager, slapping on the back, but he makes a lot of dumb moves as a manager, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I know, he he gave my father several strokes during his life when he was managing the Giants. He's unorthodox, but the teams win under him. And I know I'm not supposed to say this, but I'm actually rooting for the Astros in the World no. Series. I know I've just lost, my, my, my cousins who grew up in Wilmington rooting for the Phillies may have thrown up in their mouth a little bit. But the fact, and, and if the Phillies win, I won't be sad. Okay, obviously, I have nothing against the Phillies. I was at a game in Philadelphia earlier this year, and I know all my Met fan relatives are going to slump thinking of the last three World Series champions in full 162-game seasons would be overachieving Nationals, Braves, and Phillies teams. That would be rough for the Mets. Look out for the Marlins winning the World Series next year. I digress. There's something about this Astros team that would be nice to for the Astros fans and everything like that to have a World Series title that doesn't have a gigantic cloud looming over it, to have Dusty be the one to do it, and they have a shot to do something that has not been done in the wildcard era, which is a perfect postseason. Mm, that'll be crazy. Only, only one team, and I talked about this the other day, only one team has a, in the division era, 
has a perfect postseason. It was the 1976 Reds. But that's when the NLCS, there was no division series back then, and the LCS was best of five. So they swept a three-game set against the Phillies and swept the Yankees at four. So they went 7-0. and Guess what? The Astros are already 7-0. and And so taking a look at this team, look at it's they they are a great team with incredibly deep pitching and they were built that way they were built designed to have the pitching staff be strong to have the pitching staff be deep to be the pitching staff be eight or nine pitchers deep so if one gets hurt or one falters they can turn to someone else it's not a it's not a coincidence that this team was able to throw a a series where they threw 18 shutout innings on the road and we're able to turn to a Luis Garcia who just kept throwing inning after inning after inning, you know, out of the bullpen. Um, or it was Garcia, right? Garcia threw, um, yeah, he threw five shutout innings in relief in that final game, you know, that they'd be able to have that depth. And the Yankees didn't pull that off. And in the end, it was the Astros who had that depth. And that's why I think they're going to win the World Series. That's why I think they're going to beat Philadelphia. Also because they have the same – there's none of that one team's going to be over rest or not. They have the same amount of rest. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, the Phillies are going to be playing the role of the Colorado Rockies when they swept their way to the postseason – and then met the Red Sox and met their doom. Yeah, nine runs to 50 strikeouts for the Yankees in the ALCS is just disgusting. I think uh, I was listening to Lockdown Yankees with our girl Stacy on my drive, you know, my six-hour drive back from L.A., and I think she had the stat, Yankees' first team in postseason history in a series to have at least 50 strikeouts and less than 35 total bases. So that offense went completely cold. And I have a question for you, Sully. Win or lose, do you consider now that they've gone to their fourth World Series, is this a dynasty with the Astros? No, no, no because it's because the question mark hangs over the first two, mm. but it is a great run. Um, back to back pennants, uh, under Dusty, yes. Um, but there, I'm not going to call a team where there's there's uh, this question marks looming over the their first title if that's their only title, is one that we know they were cheating, no. No, I'm not going to call it dynasty. I'm going to say it's a great run. If they win um, it, though. What? But if they win it, now they if have they a win it, then I'm going to I'm going to put my the majority of my attention on the back to back pennants that were won under incredible scrutiny under Dusty Baker. Um, but yeah, I think that I mean, if, look at Astros fans can call it whatever they want. Uh, I would have a hard time doing it. And look at I know that what I'm saying is getting Astros fans mad, and I think if they find out where I live, that I would, uh, I'd need some protection. That's why I use simply safe. You know, as everyone knows, athletes rise and fall in the ranks when it comes to saving money, simply safe stays on top. And right now you can save big with simply safe home security, which I need to prevent Astros fans from causing harm to me and my family. They're giving listeners 40% off their advanced security system. And simply safe was just named the best home security of 2022 by U.S. News. You're going to love it because it's simply safe. Your safety is the only thing that matters. It's got 24-7 professional monitoring. And when a threat is detected, Astros fan, Astros fan, Simply Safe has a monitoring professionals 
promptly to contact you and dispatch first responders to your home, even if you're away or unable to respond. 24-7 professional monitoring costs under a dollar a day. That's last. That's less than half of ADT's traditional professional installed plans. Monitoring experts use proprietary response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real, so you get the highest priority police dispatch. Don't miss this chance to save big when you protect your home with the best. Get 40% off your order when you visit simplysafe.com slash lockdown MLB today. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes. That's simplysafe.com slash lockdown MLB. Go today. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey, um, Millard, I want to bring another name up here. Okay. Uh, the switching gears. We talked about Cashman. And when Cashman took over the role of general manager, the defending World Series champions were not the Yankees, but were actually in Miami, the Marlins. Mm. Now, since that time, the man who was in charge of that Marlins squad, Dave Dombrowski, left Florida, eventually took over Detroit, a Detroit team that had lost 119 games in 2003. And under his leadership in 2006, they were back in the World Series. And in 2011, they had the first of four straight trips to the postseason, including another pennant. Uh, he was let go midway through the 2015 season, was picked up by the Red Sox, and the Red Sox won the division the first three full seasons he was there winning the World Series in 2018. Yes, yes, fans, I know. There were some shenanigans with that 2018 team. Of course, he didn't make it through the next year. He's picked up by Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is now in the World Series. And Dave Dombrowski was in all of those. And by the way, since, Cashman's la since Cashman took over the squad beginning of the 2006 season, Dombrowski has been the general manager or president of count them one, two, three, four pennant winners, as opposed to the one pennant winner in New York. And he did so inheriting some teams that were a bit of a mess. That the the Tigers were irrelevant since the days of Lance Parrish and Kirk Gibson. That the you know the Marlins were a non-existent franchise. Uh, the Red Sox had just finished flopping around. Uh, in, they won the World Series in 2013. Then they started flopping around. And the Phillies were the definition of irrelevant. And yet, he took all those teams to the World Series, winning with two of them. All right, he won with the Marlins. And now he's trying to win. He's trying to win. Uh, in, he's trying to win World Series with his third organization. But he's taken four organizations to the World Series. Dombrowski is everything that Cashman isn't. <laughs> Go, he goes for it. Each one of those franchises that I mentioned, he showed up and said, who are our best prospects? All right, trade them right now. We're trying to win. We're trying to win. And let me tell you, this Johnny Appleseed of penance, okay, it, it left a bad taste in everyone's mouth what happened in, in Miami in 1997. But I can tell you, I know a lot of Tiger fans. And while they're incredibly frustrated that that squad never went on to win the World Series, and they didn't. They had the best memories of their baseball lives seeing them go into the World Series. I can tell you 
All right. Were the, was the 2018 Red Sox team the most cute and cuddly of all their champions? No, but a lot of people love that sight of Sales striking out Manny Machado to clinch it. And believe me, I know lots and lots of Phillies fans, and they are thrilled that they are no longer a team that hasn't even put a winning record on the field, but are now playing in the World Series. Why? I mean, Dave Dombrowski is everything as a GM that you would expect the general manager of the Yankees to be. Imagine superimpose Dombrowski's record and have that in the Bronx, where you got a bunch of trips to the World Series, a couple extra victories, lots of times where you say, screw it, we're going to try to get big stars. Each one of those places, he brought in Miguel Cabrera to Detroit and Prince Fielder to Detroit. He brought in Chris Sale and J.D. Martinez to Boston. He's brought in, uh, you know, he's he's signed big players to come to Philadelphia as well. He goes for it wherever he goes. And the results are, surprise, teams that win. So Dombrowski... You know, inevitably, he's going to be fired from Philadelphia. Um, he's the type of person the Yankees should be thinking, yeah, we, be- we better get ourselves a ring one of these days. Yeah, I love Dave Dombrowski. I think the last time we talked, I floated the idea that maybe Dave Dombrowski should be on the executive GM Mount Rushmore because of how good this guy has been. Maybe he should be the face of our generation the last 20 years of GMs because right now, the Phillies, I mean, just get into the World Series. Maybe you got to start the conversation of, who do you want to be the architect of your team if you're a rebuilding franchise, if you're a cursed franchise? Do you want Theo Epstein or do you want Dave Dombrowski? Because Dave Dombrowski, like you just laid out, has made a hell of a case for himself. And if he was the GM of the Yankees, they might already have a World Series championship because you know what Dave Dombrowski would do if he was the GM of the Yankees. There would be no Anthony Volpe in your minor leagues right now. There would be no uh, Clark Schmidt or whoever, Jonathan Lysiger. They would have had, when you had the opportunity to sign a Machado or to sign a Harper or to sign a Correa, just floating there, they would be in pinstripes. When you had the opportunity to trade for a big-name pitcher, you know whether it was a sale or whomever it is, the acquisition of sale, even though he broke down, he was there to deliver a World Series title to Boston, which he did. And anything that happened after that was gravy. And he understood that. He understood that Yoan Mankata could be a fine third baseman for the Red Sox. Let's get Chris Sale. And, you know, anytime you can reset, when was the last time we've even played in a World Series? Anytime you could reset that to a more recent year, yes, his, his reputation would have been cemented if he had built a bullpen that would have saved a few leads. If that, you know, if two games where Max Scherzer had the lead, and the Tigers' bullpen let up late-inning grand slams in 2013, the Tigers were the better team than the Red Sox that year. They were. I mean, in the short series, the Red Sox beat them. But the Tigers had more talent, and if they got to the World Series, they would have clobbered the St. Louis Cardinals and won the World Series. But alas, it didn't happen. Their bullpen bit them in the butt all those years. That being said, yeah, if you're going to make a Mount Rushmore, you have to put Dombrowski on. And do you know what? If you are a team whose fan base is moribund, non-existent, shrugging, like if you were the Pirates, mm. you know, or you were the Angels, imagine the Angels 
You give it Dave Dombrowski. We're already giving you Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. Build a mediocre team around those two. Next thing you know, Trout has a few October memories. Yeah, because Dave Dombrowski's philosophy is just something that's really simple. He says, if I have prospects that people value, I'm just going to trade them away, the unknown quantity, for a player on another team that I know is good, who I know is an all-star level player. It's like a really simple philosophy. I'm just going to collect as much proven talent as I can and put it on my roster. That's what he did with the Red Sox. He went out there and got the Chris Sales and just said, take all my top prospects. Went out there and got superstars. When he got to the Phillies, he just went out there in free agency, spent so much money this past offseason. Guess what? Brought in the Kyle Schwarbers of the world, who led the league in home runs. Like, it's not that hard, hard of philosophy to just go out there and get as many good players as you want and sign or trade them to your team. And if he was the GM of the Yankees, like, you're still not getting every big-time player out there. But guess what? You're going to see the reports or at least feel good as a Yankees fan knowing, oh, the Yankees were at least in it. They made the biggest offer out there. They had a lucrative, you know, 10-year deal contract on the table. But the free agents just want to go in a different direction, just want to go home and take a little bit of a hometown discount. Like, you know Dave Dombrowski's putting – everything he has into getting those players. And for the Brian Cashman, a lot of those times, he just sat on his hands and said, you know what? My pass on this guy. Do we need Corey Seager? We can't afford him. We don't want to do that. Remember that Harper and Machado were unsigned when the 2019 spring training began. Two legitimate MVP candidates in their prime, in their 20s, were available to be signed by anybody, including the Yankees, who had a need at shortstop, a long-term need at shortstop. And everybody could have used a Bryce Harper. Imagine Bryce Harper's numbers at Yankee Stadium. Come on. Yeah. Instead, he's in Philly. Instead, those two met in the League Championship Series and both got big, huge home runs in that League Championship Series. And, you know, and we saw what they... They made. They needed a. They needed Rio Muto. They needed Wheeler. They needed. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. You know, Debrasi didn't make all those moves, but he made a bunch of the moves to put them in this position. And it's so going to be. Let's give him a lot of love. And it's going to be another offseason where you look at that shortstop mark and you say, listen, if Anthony Volpe doesn't come up and he's not an immediate superstar, it's going to be another year where you miss out on the Trey Turners, the Xander Bogarts who are in free agency this year. It's going to be another and, year. And Correa again because he's going to opt out for Minnesota. Yeah, so Volpe and all these minor leaguers, the ones that we always think are going to be great, the Gary Sanchez's and the Clint Frazier's of the world, like I give the Yankees credit. They can they know how to build up someone's value. Jesus Montero? Yeah, that's what like the Yankees for like one year can bring you up and make convince everyone that this guy's gonna be a future superstar. Even for one season, they'll put those guys in the field and make them look like a superstar for a season, like Jesus Montero, like the Glaber Torres, like the Gary Sanchez. We could have a season or two where those guys look like future all-stars and the Yankees will sell all that Kool-Aid to you. And if you're the right buyer, the Yankees will sell those prospects to you, but it doesn't happen often. And more often than not, the Yankees hold on way too long to their overvalued prospects. And then, over time, those guys don't turn into anything, and then they just become sunk costs, and then you can't trade them for the players you want. It's better to be early and to bring it all back around. Go the Dave Dombrowski route, blow up your farm system, and trade the guys that you don't know who are going to be uh, question marks. Like Unless it's like the Corbin Carrolls, like the D-backs, where you know he's a future superstar, you keep that guy, and you only trade him for the Juan Soto of the world. But for everyone else in your minor league system, you trade them for the best players you could get for them. Where's the Brad Pitt movie about Dave Dombrowski? I know. I would love that. 
I know. You I'll can play, Dave. That. I feel like Sully. I'll play it. I'll play it. <laughs> All right. Well, do you? I I bet you can too. Oh, good, Dave. Oh, it would be, be strange casting. It would be a different kind of movie, I feel like. Yeah, it would be very different. It's like <laughs> Hamilton. You know, so we're, so we're going to try different kind of casting here. But do you know what? I'm casting you as my podcasting partner at least once a week. So Miller Thomas, tell people where they can find your show. Follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Look up Locked on Dimebacks Twitter and Instagram on all your podcasting platforms. And follow us on YouTube, Locked on Dimebacks on there as well. And you can follow us at Locked on MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Taking a look at the people who are the architects of one team that got swept out of it and one team that drove themselves into the World Series. This has been the Locked On MLB Locked On Diamondbacks crossover for the 25th day of October 2022. I'm yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. That's Miller Thomas. And let's fist pump. We got a World Series. Next time we're talking, it'll be the World Series time.